Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball Daily. That's better. The podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and it is now the third day of September 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I am recording this from a Sully Baseball studio in Burbank, California, the birthplace of former Baltimore Orioles and California Angels third baseman Doug DeSensei. There was a weird thing happening with my recorder, and I decided to start again. Now I can see that it's working fine now. So, okay, there's no tech problem on this. We shall move on. We will have a podcast. Hey, um, just when I think the Giants can't fall any further, they grab a shovel and keep on digging. They still remain the worst team in baseball since the All-Star game. And I really, really thought John Lester was going to throw a no-hitter. And, you know, this part of me is like as we're on this anniversary of the Mike Mussina near-perfect game when he had a perfect game until I believe it was two outs and two strikes in the bottom of the ninth. I know there was two outs in the bottom of the ninth. And Jurassic Carl Everett got a base hit to break everything up. There's part of me is like, yeah, if you're going to lose, just get go get no hit. Because at least you could just chalk that up to, hey, we were no hit. I mean, what are you going to do? That pitcher was just unbelievable. But, of course, the Giants have to make it a one-run game, put a runner on base. You know, the Giants have to figure this out pretty quickly. You know, I mean, they, they got a little bit of help with the Reds winning uh, as a walk-off game against the Cardinals. But, you yeah, know, this whole... Hey, we've got the playoff spot locked up and everything. I nah, nah. You know, it's just a couple of more losing weeks away from letting the Cardinals pass them. And next thing you know, you're looking at the Mets, you're looking at the Marlins, you're looking at the Pirates. You know, it's an even year, folks. But that can't be enough. You got to start winning. They have the players. They have the team. Things just have to. They just have to play mediocre ball, as opposed to terrible. Anyway, uh, it's you know crazy night of baseball. That, that that's absolutely for sure, uh, and and probably few crazier than the game that went on between the. Uh, Tigers and the Royals, where they just kept exchanging, exchanging. I thought, oh, the Royals wrapped up. Oh, the Tigers wrapped it up. But the craziest thing that happened in baseball yesterday was actually not on the field. But before I get into that, before I get into the main bulk of it, I want to ask a question. Because I did bring this up a couple days ago, and I was going to do this as a topic for today, but this other thing came up. So I'm just going to bring this in. Um, I know we're not supposed to look at win-loss records, and that's fine. I know we're supposed to look at more advanced stats. That's fine. Uh, and Clayton Kershaw is supposedly coming back sometime in the next couple of weeks, but I think that he lost enough time on the disabled list that he is no longer, that even though he is the best pitcher in baseball and he was on pace to win yet another Cy Young Award, his fourth this year, his injuries, I think, are going to excuse him from the conversation. And my my stance is simple. It's basically whoever has, of these pitchers, whoever has the best September is going to wind up winning the National League Cy Young Award in Kershaw's absence. Uh, Scherzer is one. Carlos Martinez of the uh, Cardinals is one. Hell, I'll throw Tanner Roark of Washington, throw him in there, throw Madison Bumgarner in there, throw Johnny Cueto in there, throw Jose Fernandez in there, throw Julio Turan in there. And I think 
throw, uh, you know, if Jake Arrieta has a dominating month, you have to throw him in there. And John Lester, I think, has elbowed his way into the discussion. So it's basically, I don't want to say they're all tied in my mind, because if you take Kershaw out of the mix, I personally think that um, Scherzer is in the pole position. But that being said, if Arietta has a dominating, if any one of those pitches has a dominating September, they may be able to put a Cy Young on their mantle. And for the likes of Lester and Bumgarner and Fernandez and Cueto, four pitchers who have had wonderful careers so far, and, you know, some longer than others, but like the, the one thing they don't have on the resume is the Cy Young Award. Man, yeah. That's a, I know it's a weird thing to say, but that's got to be some incentive for them. So this is our chance. This is our chance to do that. It's not Cy Young Award winner Madison Baumgart. It's not Cy Young Award winner Jose Fernandez or uh, Johnny Cueto or John Lester. But it could be with a kick-ass September this year. Or are we going to have, you know, two-time Cy Young Award winner Jake Arrieta or two-time Cy Young Award winner... Max Scherzer, who gets to enter his name, is one of those who have won in both leagues. It's possible. And right now, Scherzer is in the clubhouse. So, anyway, I just something to think about. The the near, you know, it wasn't really a near no-hitter because it was into the seventh. But, you know, it's, it's in your mind when you get to the seventh inning as a no-hitter. You know, that, that, that starts to it starts to percolate. You know, it's something to think about. Okay, let's talk about the thing that, that uh, I think it was Ken Rosenthal tweeted out. That one of the rare post-waiver-wire deals that sounded like was being talked about. Now, there were two that involved the Dodgers, and quite frankly, there are two that I think the Dodgers and the team they're talking with should really, 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 really consider. There was a conversation of uh, whether or not the Dodgers would try to reacquire uh, Zach Greinke. Now, I did a whole podcast about why the Diamondbacks should trade Zach Greinke. And I thought they should have traded him before the trade deadline. Because, quite frankly, he is still, even though he's had some injuries and he's not been the Cy Young Award winner, he is a he's still a very good pitcher, I think with a lot of miles left on him. And I don't think the Diamondbacks are in any position right now to do anything except rebuild. Now, there's been a lot written about Larusa and Dave Stewart running the Diamondbacks and doing a terrible job. And I think it's a hard argument that they've done a good job. Uh, if they make a move in to bring in a new general manager and hell, a new president. Sorry, Tony Larusa, you're a Hall of Famer, but you're Phil you are Phil Jackson in baseball. You know, Phil Jackson's one of the greatest coaches in the history of basketball, but the Knicks brought him in to be a general manager and president, which is something he's never done. And people are like, oh, he's going to bring championships to us now, doing a job he's never done, and he's not very good at it. Well, that's what La Russa is. La Russa brought the White Sox to the playoffs, won a championship with the A's, won two championships with the Cardinals, so they're going to bring that La Russa magic to the Diamondbacks. Sorry, Tony. You should have gone back to the, the animal shelter and saved some puppies. You had the greatest exit of all time, winning the 2011 World Series. Boom. Drop the mic and save some kittens. 
Instead, you're ruining your bows by going over and, and running the Diamondbacks into the ground. Whoever's in charge of the Diamondbacks should say, hey, we have Zach Grinke. Let's see if we can get some good things in exchange for Zach Grinke. Now, I think it was totally bananas that the Dodgers, a team with, I don't want to say with unlimited resources, but damn close to it, let Grinke walk. Now, granted, you know, they're in first place right now. Watch them win the damn World Series this year, you know, in, in, with a healthy Kershaw. But I think bringing Grinke back would be a smart decision to make. And maybe that's something that they'll look into in the offseason. Maybe trying to sneak it in after the waiver wire. Maybe the Diamondbacks would think, well, let's talk to all 29 teams instead of just Los Angeles. Fine. Granted. Okay. Table that for November 1st. But the other trade, I can't stop thinking about because it's one of those great kind of trades. The kind of trades that you make if you're playing fantasy baseball or if you're trading baseball cards or if you're at a bar hanging out with your friends thinking about a trade. And the rumor being that the Dodgers, who had put Puig on waivers and keyed clear waivers, and there was the rumor of whether or not he would be dealt, that the trade that was being mulled about was Puig... Yasiel Puig, to the Milwaukee Brewers for Ryan Braun. Now, of course, other names would be thrown in there and other money considerations would be thrown in, so it wouldn't be a classic one-for-one deal. But the main pieces of it would be Yasiel Puig for Ryan Braun. Friends, I just got off a flight. That's why I'm in Burbank. I read that before I got on the airplane. And from San Jose to Burbank, that's all I was thinking about. Why didn't that trade happen? Who said no to that trade? Think about the positivity that can come from both sides in terms of what they get and what they give up. To me, the positives of what they lose and the positives of what they gain are so strong that I'm sitting here Wondering, with airplanes flying above me, wondering how the hell did this trade not go through? This trade seemed ideal. Think about it in terms of the Milwaukee Brewers. Let's just go to the Brewers first. Now, I don't know how money would be exchanged if certain things would be offset in salary-wise. But one of the things the Brewers, and I did this on a podcast a few months ago, and I think I recommended trading Braun to the Brewers, I mean, to, the, uh, uh, to Los Angeles. It was either to L.A. or to the Giants. But the idea was the Brewers have to be in a situation to get out of this commitment and really in full earnest do the the rebuilding that they need to do. A couple of years ago, in 2014, in early September, the Brewers were a wildcard team. It looked like they were going to be one of the feel-good stories of the year. And then they totally collapsed in in, uh, the last part of the 2014 season. Were dreadful last year. And they've been dreadful this year. And they need to rebuild. And we're starting to see that just pulling the trigger and rebuilding 
could be a relatively quick process. Now, granted, it's, it's, I think it's easier to do in the American League because there's a lot of parity in the American League, which is why you're seeing something like the Yankees dump everyone on July 31st, and here we are on September 3rd, and the Yankees are still in the damn thing because of the young players they brought up. It's harder in the National League because you have, you have better teams at the top and worse teams at the bottom. That much I grant you. And the fact that they're playing in a division where they have to play St. Louis, Chicago, and Pittsburgh all those times. Yeah, they're going to get clobbered a lot. But dealing Braun and sort of saying, do you know what? We're going to turn the page on Braun. He was a rookie of the year. He was the MVP, but there's a ton of baggage with him. The PED baggage, the throwing the delivery guy under the truck baggage. It doesn't seem like the nicest guy in the world. Um... Uh, and he's a complicated relationship that he has with the fans and he has with the organization in Milwaukee. You know, let's just start again. Let's just start again and get out from the multi-year commitment and just move forward, get younger and move forward. And just that sense of we're turning the page. It's time to move on. Sometimes saying it's time to move on is pretty powerful. I remember when the Red Sox did that with Manny Ramirez, a player that I loved, but it was clear by the end it was time to move on when he was starting to push guys in the, push elderly people in the clubhouse. I said, oh boy, all right, this is no longer working. Time to go. And there was a sense of, as much as I loved Manny Ramirez, when they moved on, brought Jason Bay in, and don't forget the Red Sox nearly got to the World Series with Jason Bay. There was a sense of, all right, the drama of all that is over. When they traded him, to L.A. in that complicated three-team deal. Meanwhile, the Dodgers need a big bat, and they made the deal for Reddick, but they need a, a strong hitter in that lineup, and they had Puig, who, you know, he exploded onto the scene in 2013. Power, speed, defense, dynamic. Remember, he was Puig of their own. People said, put on the all-star team after three weeks. You know, he's, he's amazing to watch. The crowd would love it. Number 66, Yasiel Puig. I loved it. He became one of my favorite players in baseball. But the welcome was worn out. And he's, you know, he's immensely talented, but it's not working out in L.A. They sent him to the goddamn AAA. Buried him in the minor leagues. They said, we're better off with you in the minor leagues. And they were. They were. They passed the Giants. They're behind the Giants at the All-Star break. Now they're padding a lead going into September. Now they could still use a big, strong, right-handed power bat. And they also should, could just end the Puig Circus. And bringing in someone like Braun, who wouldn't be a rental, granted he's a long-term deal, but do you want... Wouldn't be a rental, not a spring chicken, has some injury issues, has some of the baggage, but you're not asking him to give you 162 games this year. You're asking him, give us a great September. And as I said before, the value in Los Angeles of having a pennant, of having a World Series, of taking over the city, of being the team of the city, with the Lakers stinking, with the Kings, it's, it's hockey. I mean, I mean, the Kings have had a wonderful run in L.A. recently, but it's hockey. 
The Clippers disappointing. Yes, there's excitement here in Southern California that the Rams are back, but they're, I, look, at, I don't know. Are the Rams going to be good or not? I don't know. That's football. I don't know piddly-poo about the NFL. Uh, but to be able to get the World Series here in L.A., all this money was spent. All this attention was spent. All this wanting to be the big brash were like the Yankees of the West, but you know, without winning a pennant. They still haven't won a pennant since 1988. You're not going to take over the team and be the big marquee in the second biggest media market in the country if you're saying, yeah, they made the division series again, and oh, they lost in game five. Oh, see you in April. No, they need the excitement. They need the passion of a World Series in L.A. And Braun could help deliver that. And whatever he costs, whatever it brings about, could be worth it. If it makes the Dodgers, the team of L.A. And the baggage he brings here, come on, PEDs. Everyone in L.A. uses PEDs. What the hell do you think Botox is? Oh, my God, he uses drugs to do what? Just finish the sentence right there. Whoa, you do, we do too. Welcome to Los Angeles. Oh, he stabbed someone in the back. Oh, wow, I'd hate to see someone in L.A. stab someone in the back. And to welcome him, to bring him aboard, and that he would fit in, he would be part of a big team instead of being the marquee name on a big team. To be able to have that shot of adrenaline, to give a little bit of juice to the team, to cycle something in, to enhance the performance of the Dodgers for just a month. They say, hey, do you what? Play like an all-star for a month. Take the weight off your shoulders. Maybe a change will do him good, to paraphrase Elton John. And for Puig in Milwaukee, say, hey, you know all those expectations and everything in L.A.? They're gone. You're in Milwaukee now. People are watching the Packers. Relax. Put some cheese on your head. Yes, this is a tradition here. And the Brewers would be able to say, we've turned the page and we've brought this immensely talented 25-year-old player. Now, will he be the player that he, we saw explode onto the scene in 2013? I don't know, but maybe the change will work for him as well. Maybe. And so I look back and I see this trade that could have helped the Brewers, could have helped the Dodgers, and would have just been so cool. You say, hey, hey, guess what? Blockbuster deal helped the Brewers long term. Help the Dodgers short and possibly long term. Who would turn that one down? Who would turn that one down? I don't know, but man, we missed out on something potentially fun. But it's going to be fun anyway. It's Labor Day weekend, and down the stretch they come. And quite frankly, I'm going to probably watch a hell of a lot of baseball this weekend, and I recommend that you do too. Now, if you want to know who owned baseball on the second day of September 2016, all I got to say is go to mlbreports.com to see the up-to-date listings there. You can go to sullybaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. You know, just go online. It turns out I have a Pinterest page. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I'm on Pinterest. 
I essentially, I, at one point in my life, I set up a Pinterest page. I think I posted something on it once. I forgot it was there because I was going to set up a Pinterest page and I said, oh, yeah, Solid Baseball Podcast. It's on Pinterest. I thought, well, look at that. Uh, if you follow me on Instagram, it's Sully Baseball Podcast is my handle there. If you're wondering who wrote the music, well, if you've been listening long enough, then guess what? Then you would know it's Ted Thacker and it's Patrick Kaliski. Did I mention you could be old school? Send me an email at info at sullybaseball.com. Go ahead. I've gotten a couple of emails recently that I really, really love. And one of them is going to be a topic on an upcoming podcast. So go listen to that as I do every single damn day. So, this has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the third day of September 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.